Hi, I'm Hassel. And I'm JP. And this is Pulled Corks Podcast. All right, guys. So, uh, we've taken a couple weeks off, but we've both been super busy. I know JP's been really busy because he's been getting everything prepared for the big show. Yeah, Psalm 3 is coming to Germany on the big screen. And in the Pfalz, in Landau, December 15th, starting from 7 p.m. with a wine tasting, an epic one. A really good wine tasting. So, we don't want to give any spoilers. The Judgment of Landau. The Judgment of Landau, yeah. We don't want to give any spoilers, but there is a particular wine from that movie that's probably soon to be a lot more expensive very, very soon. It's already not cheap. <laughs> we, we were able to get our hands on several bottles of that, and we might open some for that event. Um, also, I got uh, another bottle from the movie, three bottles actually, from Burgundy that might be also opened at the night so yes. if you don't have tickets yet it's 39 euros you get much more wine worth than that definitely yes there's going to be i mean literally thousands of dollars worth of wine open yes especially when you look at the prices uh, per bottle <laughs> these are very very high-end wines it, it's going to be worth it. It's definitely going to be worth it. You need to get out there, guys. Those of you in uh, in Germany, in the Faust, or in Alsace that are listening, or if you're anywhere in Europe and you can make it out, it's it'll be well worth the trip. Definitely. Just jump on a Ryanair plane and come over, or take the bullet train from uh, from Paris if you're in France. It's worth it. Just that one night. We're actually now talking to the local hotel to get uh, discounts for all the SOM people. But if you have the time, come over. Yeah, you're going to get like quadruple your money's worth in, in just the wine you're going to taste. So it's yeah. definitely worth it. Worth the money. What is it? For, uh, thir- what, 39 euros per ticket? 39 euros per ticket. You get to taste eight wines, high-end wines from the area and also international wines like Burgundy and our mystery wine and the, and i'm telling you what guys we're talking fine wines not just high-end grocery wines fine wine this is yes. really good very high-end stuff and, and we, we have a couple of uh grosser gewächs like grand cru uh, vdp estate wines in in the lineup we have some high-end wines from uh independent wineries but nothing industrial this is all crafted handcrafted wine this is really good stuff. Yeah, it's going to be quite a treat. And I'm really jealous of you guys because I can't be there. <laughs> I am far away abroad. And uh, I'll be able to tell you guys about uh, this trip that I'm on. It's it's a surprise. <clears throat> so when I get back. Is, yeah, the movie is in, in uh, English with German subtitles. And the venue is just amazing. It's it's an old uh, cinema building from the 1950s and uh, like barely modernized so we have like really like the old seating situation the the room is not that big the screening room is up to 100 people so you better get your tickets early on yeah it it will be an awesome event 
it felt so good when we had like our little rehearsal thing and I could see like Jancis Robinson popping up on that huge movie screen. That was like the moment and the song music and everything. It's uh, it's going to be awesome, guys. Like, it's going to be really awesome. If you're a wine nerd and I mean, of course, you could, you know, you could see this on uh, on iTunes, but this is the silver screen plus the big tasting. So, you know, basically all you're doing is paying double the money you would if you got it on iTunes and you're going to get a just, you know, an insane wine tasting with it and get to watch it in the theater. It's going to be an awesome experience. Yeah, several winemakers are going to attend the UN. Also, some sommeliers, a lot of uh, media people, press people from the wine industry. And we, we'll have a little networking ev event at my wine bar just after the event. So you can come over for some natural wine and uh, just network. Bring some business cards. Oh, it's yeah. The, the people you're going to be able to rub elbows with at this thing is going to be insane. So uh, there's already a pretty good crowd that we know is coming. I mean, we originally were settled on 95 tickets, and they're going they're going crazy fast. So there's there's not going to be that many left. So hurry. Yeah. <laughs> okay, that's about our our song. I'm I'm still busy like preparing everything. I I have organized all the wines, so uh, I can focus on putting the event out there on social media. You can also book the event directly through somfilms.com on the SOM website. And we're going to include in the description of this, uh, I want to put our Eventbrite uh, link, or the URL yes. for our Eventbrite. I'll put that in the description of this uh, podcast, so uh, you'll be able to uh, to go there and get tickets as well. Okay, so that's about it, uh, about our upcoming SOM. So next week, Saturday, I hope to see you there. Yes, and all right, so uh, another thing that I like to do, uh, I think I've done this a couple times on a few episodes, is uh, periodically I'll check the uh, analytics and see who's been looking at the website and who's been listening to the show. And uh, I've noticed a bit of a trend in uh, Bulgaria recently and parts of Turkey. Now that's interesting. It is, it is. And uh, I've been to both of those places, and both of those places have great wine. I had some of the best Pinot Noir I've ever had, believe it or not, in Bulgaria. It was awesome. I wish I could have brought some of that home. I did bring some other stuff home. But, uh, yeah, so shout out to Bulgaria and Turkey for uh, giving us a listen. Appreciate you guys. Yeah. So here's to, uh, here's to you. And uh, so today we're doing things a little bit different. It's kind of more of a uh, banter episode, a little bit of just some general wine nerd stuff maybe talk about a little chemistry and other uh, other things about wine that a lot of you guys might not know and hopefully we can make it a little bit interesting so uh, JP in your definition what is wine what is <laughs> sorry, to, sorry to just throw you in on the spot <laughs> yeah, I, I mean it starts all out as fermented grape juice Right. For all intents and so purposes, we're going to talk about grape wine. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah, not berry wine or honey wine. 
which some of that is good. You know, sorry, I'm about to already interrupt and interject. I had someone gave me a wine made from cherries. Yeah, um, that can be wonderful. It was last uh, last spring. Yeah, I know it was last winter, right around New Year's last year. It was made of cherries. It was Karen, my old neighbor, and uh, honestly, it tasted a lot like a red wine, just a normal red grape <coughs> wine. Yeah, there are a lot of red grapes who have uh, that have like uh, cherry flavor profile, like mm -hmm. German Dornfelder with the dark cherry. We find that in other red grapes. And you get some of the similar uh, chemical compounds, some of the uh, similar tannins from the skins of uh, cherries as well. Yeah, definitely. They're not so far away from the grapes. But anyway, yeah, sorry to interrupt. Think, uh, Definition of wine. Fer fermented grape juice. Uh, that's Grape wine. Yeah, grape wine, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, basically... Um, it's uh, all comes down to yeast. Yeast uh, eats the sugar. You get the grape juice; just it's super sweet. You know, we've all had grape juice before. Uh, it's full of sugar, and uh, the yeast loves to eat sugar. And what the yeast produces is a waste, for the most parts. For for this conversation, uh, two things: alcohol and uh, carbon dioxide, and exactly. uh, as. And as they ferment, they're also uh, changing the flavor profile. Yeah, they, they do a lot of uh, things to the stuff in the grape material. So, yeah, the yeasts, they, they do really complex uh, things. Yes, so we, get, so we get these different uh, chemical compounds. But uh, the major components, you have water, alcohol, acid, and sugar. Now, the acid is uh, already in the wine. Are already in the juice but uh, it goes through some changes over time so like uh, you get different types of acid uh, well for mostly tartaric acid is, is what malic acid. and malic acid there's some citric acid a little bit it's not usually considered a normal component but it's because it's in really mine very very minute quantities Lactic acid is not found in the grapes, but it can be created in the winemaking process. We'll get to but, that. Yeah, we have different bacteria involved there. So yes. Like other microbiological processes can go on in the wine, mm -hmm. wanted or unwanted. Yep. Um, there's uh, acetic acid. Now, that is the acid that's found in vinegar. So there's a, a low level of that created during fermentation. So it's not something you really want a lot of. Yeah, um, you don't want to have this, and it is happening to your wine anyway over time. Mm -hmm. That this is increasing, and you, that's one thing you want to avoid, because wine wants to become vinegar over time. Yes, and uh, succinic acid. And it's a very minor component Um it can it's a normal byproduct of uh fermentation um it has a very sharp a little bit bitter flavor a little bit salty sometimes i guess maybe that uh maybe there's a little bit more of that in things like a muscadet or something but uh, it's it's not a typical uh major what you mostly notice is the malic acid and the tartaric acid 
And the malic acid actually in grapes starts out in the beginning of the grape forming. It's very strong. And then it, uh, it mellows out. There's a lot less of it by the time the, as the grapes ripen. That's why if you eat like a really young, not ripe grape, it's like crazy sour. Yeah, there's the, the verjuice. Uh, the tastes almost like a vinegar, but it's, it's just a grape juice from very, very young grapes. Mm -hmm. So you can use it in, in French cuisine to replace vinegar. And it's much fresher uh, flavor profile in vinegar. Some, some bartenders use it for, for cocktails. Yes. It's a pretty interesting ingredient. Yeah, you use the, the berries when they're still like really small, green and hard. And you press them and get this uh, really, really sour grape juice. Yeah, it's like, uh, I know the Americans listening will know this. There's candies like Warheads and Sour Patch Kids. That Those super sour candies, well, that's malic acid is what they put into these candies to give them that really overpowering, super fruity, sour flavor. So that's that's malic acid. But uh, tartaric acid, that is probably the, the, the major acid that is in uh, grape juice and, and wine. It's the strong, it's the highest, uh, as far as like the combination of everything, that would be the, the strongest in terms of pH. Ooh, and it can uh, form solid crystals. Yeah, that's interesting. Sometimes we, we pulled some corks out of the bottle and found like really interesting crystal formations on the cork. Yeah, or, or wine diamonds. <laughs> if you look at really old German Riesling barrels, they are covered in crystals inside. Sometimes they have to crawl inside the barrel uh, and yeah, uh, use tools to scrape them off. Yeah, it's pretty. It's pretty cool. It's neat. It's like a little science experiment. <laughs> it's, it's pretty cool. It's it's nice when you pull off the pork and it look or the cork, and it looks like there's uh, sugar sprinkled all over it. And sometimes there's actually like crystal structures at the end it's really neat it's really cool but yeah that's uh so i mean that's a breakdown of the acid um of course we said water there's alcohol is quite of an important uh, part of the uh of what's ethanol. inside wine ethanol typically <laughs> and uh yeah we, we also have other alcoholic esters which are really important for the aromatics of the wine absolutely the esters they're uh yeah it's from the the, the joining of acid and alcohol together kind of creates the esters um the odiferous compounds they say they are they're, they're what evaporates that carry the odor to your nose so like ethyl ethyl acetate is uh the most common ester yeah. that's in wine and uh, it's a fruity flowery aroma but in high concentrations, it can give some, uh, like, nail polish remover, <laughs> like yeah. acetone. Um, yeah, it's, it's sometimes uh, confused with the volatile acidity you don't want to have. Mm -hmm. um, because that's, like, really, like, nail polish, like acetone tones. Um, and it's really, really bad for you, too. It's the acid aldehyde. It's yes. really a, a health issue if you have too much of that in the wine. Yeah, the aldehydes, uh, they're oxidized alcohols. Yeah, and some, some people in the natural wine scene, they celebrate it. They love it. They are really, like, addicted to it. But I, I really don't like it personally. 
it hurts me like in the nose and also after drinking a wine like that i feel really sick so mm. i i don't think it's it's a healthy component of wine yeah it's uh it's really common in um sherry and madeira like yeah. so the diced styles yeah uh, acetal <clears throat> Acid aldehyde, uh, that's uh, a common word for that is uh, a madeirized wine, that oxidized, highly oxidized I, I, alcohol. That's a, that's a different kind of, like that oxidative quality, like acid aldehyde is really, really smells chemical. Mm -hmm. And well, it's that uh, acid aldehyde, that is the uh, pheno sherries. That is the, that, they, that's they, where they, they get... Acidity. That's true. Yeah, that's where yeah. they get their distinctive aroma. <clears throat> and some Madeiras, but yeah, it's really common in Fino Sherry, the acetaldehyde. <clears throat> that's one of the one of the wines that, where they would actually celebrate such a thing. <laughs> I don't like Sherry, period. So that's kind of a... Well, I take that back. I like PX. <laughs> that's about it as far as sherry goes for me but you know what maybe there's some other sherries i need to give a chance yeah definitely i'll find you something you will celebrate i'm not really big on madeira either to be honest about it so yeah, yeah so the, 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 the oxidized styles you don't usually like except for uh Ironman solera Gewürztraminer. oh yeah that was great that was great yeah yeah because there's some of these uh some of these oxidized wines are just way too, um, I guess, astringent. Uh, almost like this uh, battery acid flavor to me. I don't know. It just it hurt my teeth. I, <laughs> I don't know what it is. Maybe it's just a personal preference. Yeah. Yeah, the, but, the Van John from Jura is also one. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, those. that was kind of a... I don't know that that wasn't too bad. That wasn't as bad as some. That kind of had like a uh, really nutty flavor to it, like a nutty sherry, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> with a ton of acid. Yeah, with a with a boatload of acid slabbed on top of it. Yeah. So and then there's the uh, phenolic compounds. Um, yeah. anthocyanins that's the compound that's red wine that's where it gets its color from and uh, yeah, that's where we go to the tannic side of the wine yeah yes uh, anthocyanins that's like uh, and the acid in the wine can actually affect the hue of, of yeah. uh, anthocyanins because like really uh, high acidic wines are, are a bit more red and uh, lower acidic red wines have more of a bluish, bluish red, I guess, um, color to them. And there's uh, flavanols, and that's what gives you color in your white wines. They're kind of a, it's a, like a yellow pigment. Yeah, and that comes uh, through ripeness in the grape. Yes, uh, it increases so, with the sunlight exposure. Yeah, sunnier climates have, a, have more golden colors. A really crisp, tart uh, Marlboro Sauvignon. It doesn't have that that much, but like a super ripe uh, Spätlese will be almost yellow. Yes. Like Riesling Spätlese mm -hmm. with a lot of sun exposure over a long time. Yes. Mosel, for example, that will be almost yellow. And you and have a lot of, uh, of these components in there. Yeah, absolutely. 
And then we've got the tannins. Now, tannins, they're astringent, they're bitter. Uh, they come from the seeds and the skins and the stems. And uh, they're in primarily what you would associate with red wine. Um, there are a lot of the structure of uh, red wine, like especially like your big, heavy steak wines, you know. The uh, the Robert Parker wines <laughs> are usually very tannic. The, the um, Northern Rhone Cote Roti, where they do the like whole cluster fermentation with all the stems in there. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, you get tannins uh, give your mouth. You can tell they're there. They have a structure. They actually it binds with the saliva, the proteins in the saliva in your mouth, so you can feel them. Uh, some people call it tannic dryness. Um, to me, it feels kind of like, uh, almost like Velcro inside your mouth, I guess. Yeah, that's uh, it. So you can eat, and you can feel it sometimes in your cheeks, in your gums, on your tongue. It just depends on the, on the, on the tannin itself. But yeah, they, uh, they, they create like a drying sensation in your mouth because it's binding to the proteins in your saliva. So uh, it's also found in the oak barrels, too. It's not just the skins. So you can get a little bit of tannin from, from wood. Skin uh, stems. And it can protect the wine. Of course, the, also. the seeds, but you don't want to damage it because they are really bitter. Yes. <laughs> and uh, But like I said, they, could, uh, they also protect the wine a little bit. It can, uh, can kind of help uh, ward off yeah, they, oxidation. Exactly really high yeah. tannic. And, uh, the, the same you have in brie and black tea. Yes. Um, so, yeah, you can get, have the same sensation from really dark English breakfast tea, for example. If you drink it cold, you have almost the same sensation of tannin as you have in, in, a, in a red wine, just without the alcohol and the acid. Exactly. Actually, the word comes from uh, tanning skins to make leather. Exactly. It's a, and I think that's oak tannin they used for for that originally. Yeah. So and another kind of, kind of between bitter and that Velcro sensation, yeah. Yeah, it's uh, it's really. I mean, I I love my tannins. I like a really tannic wine, and I also like wines that used to be tannic and then shedded it away after years. Have these tannin compounds and and proteins in the wine reacting with each other over time and building larger and larger, longer chains of molecules. And that mellows out the wine over yeah. time. Yeah, it really does. It gives the wine a whole new structure. And complexity. And then here's a, a controversial uh, type of uh, phenolic. Uh, vanillin. Ah, yeah. <laughs> vanillin. It's found in oak barrels and also found in vanilla beans. Hence the word vanillin. <laughs> yeah. especially in american oak you have a ton of it oh yeah a lot a lot or uh, actually i've had some uh, i've had an over oaked burgundy that was just and a red burgundy mind you that was just so over oaked that the only thing i could taste was vanilla like i might as well have just been drinking a vanilla milkshake and this was supposed to be a Pinot Noir, <laughs> you know. <laughs> so it happens sometimes. Yeah, I mean, don't think 
because it's from Burgundy and expensive, it has to be good. Yeah, there's there's a lot of uh, <laughs> there's a lot of junk there sometimes. I mean, I love Burgundy. You know, I'll, I'll go. I would go there every month if my wife would let me. But uh, but yeah, there's like like you said, there's a lot of wine there that's just you know, riding the coattails of the name of the region. And the region as a brand is just over the top expensive. So if you spend a lot of money on a bottle like that, you will be really disappointed. So that's the risk you're taking yes. with a burgundy all the time. Because if it's a bad burgundy, it's really bad. If it's a good yes. burgundy, it's heavenly good. But they're usually pretty good. But yeah. that one, that one I had was just, ugh. I mean, my goodness, I, I've never had that much vanilla flavor on something ever longer it's in the uh, a new barrel you get this from new barrels it's not really a problem in older barrels but uh, in a new barrel you're if you leave it in there if you put too much oak on it you're going to get a ton of vanilla and some people will use it to hide flaws as well yeah uh, just a thin wine mm-hmm. uh, a lot of yield and you want to hide that your wine doesn't have any structure just put a lot of oak on it and people won't notice and another compound another phenol in wine this is the last one we're going to talk about i guess uh resveratrol uh, yeah the the healthy component yes at least quotation marks yeah. <laughs> healthy I believed to have some uh beneficial effects weight Good loss f- yeah, good for your heart, um, among other things. It's uh, yeah, it's it doesn't really affect the flavor. It's not really uh, anything that you're going to notice. <laughs> All right, yes, so also in a ton of berries and stuff, so you don't have to drink red wine to get it. Um, and the health benefits are debatable, at least. Yeah, yeah. and here is one more. It's not a phenol. It's it's not a uh, a phenolic compound, but uh, it's definitely one that comes up in conversation a lot, and that is sulfites. Sulfites, yeah, right. I, I just had a li- little discussion with a w- winemaker from Italy yesterday, who does natural wine and barely uses any sulfites, and he he said like he's so sensitive. That he can you tell you about on average up to ten gram sulfite accurately how much sulfite is in a wine. Yeah. So he called like four or five wines in in my uh, bar, and now I'll confirm with the winemakers if if he was right or if he was off more than ten grams of uh, total sulfite content. I'm going to be a skeptic on this, and and I'll tell you one thing. So this guy is in uh, Sicily, correct? Yeah, Sicily. So from what I understand, there's really nowhere on that island where you can escape sulfur. (laughs) 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 Yes. Um, This is one of those things that's widely debated. And we're not scientists. But uh, I'll give you an example. So the average bottle of wine that has added sulfites, which most on the market do because it's, re- it's important for preservation. Yeah. Um, 
So most contain about between 35 and 50 parts per million in sulfites. That's not yeah. much. I made some wine that was, uh, and I, I, I had it right at about 50 parts per million because it was homemade and I just kind of didn't want it to suck. I didn't want it to like die after a month because yeah. <laughs> I didn't really know what I was doing. It was the very first time. And that 50 parts per million, I had like this big giant demijohn that held about eight gallons of wine. And uh, we're talking maybe a quarter of a teaspoon. <laughs> it would be gave me about 50 parts per million and it was just a dut, like a few grains of this stuff and uh for, in comparison a uh, a small order of french fries from mcdonald's has what is it uh, over a thousand parts per million uh, we, we we can think about egg yolks just a hard-boiled egg yeah. has several hundred parts per billion. I don't have these numbers in front of me, but it's up there, really high up there. Pretty much everything you eat has more sulfite, more sulfur in it yeah. than a bottle of wine with added sulfites. But for some Especially reason... Protein stuff has a lot of sulfur compounds, and uh, when you digest it, uh, the sulfites come out. This is the only product... In the United States of America, that is required to list that sulfites are added. Yeah, it's the, the the funny thing is like, I only know for the EU there's like I don't know about more than at least more than a hundred ingredients or chemicals you can use in a in a wine legally, and nothing yeah. is required required to be on the label, right? Because it's not food product it's it's yeah a luxury product so uh, the, the requirements are not as strict but for some reason uh, the sulfites even if they didn't add sulfites with a natural wine with no added sulfites because there is sulfites naturally uh, in the grapes being created yeah. in the fermentation process they mm -hmm. still have to label it and put a warning on the label and the reason for this started with some uh, very uptight fundamentalists in America. Now, this is a true story. I'm not going to... This is just the Cliff's Notes because this is going to be a long episode as it is. But it was, a, uh, it was a group that wanted to bring back Prohibition. It was a Prohibitionist yeah. group in the United States in the 1970s who went on this campaign to just make it absolutely as difficult as possible to sell any kind of alcohol. And they thought that they had sulfites as this smoking gun that they could use. And so they got that put on this label. It, it, literally, it was, a, it was a prohibitionist group just trying to get alcohol outlawed. It was, a, yeah. a, 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 if I'm not mistaken, a fundamentalist Christian group. That spawned something else. It kind of had this domino effect. And it was a, a label effect, I guess you could say, because once they got this warning put on wine labels, a lot of people saw that, and it wasn't on anything else. It wasn't on any other kind of food. And it was kind of like that phenomenon where uh, people were saying that uh, their lives were being ruined by Wi-Fi. Oh, yeah. And then they took them out 
put these people in this room and said they were Wi-Fi protected and they said they felt fine, but really they weren't. It was just a, you know, like a uh, a, a trick just to see if they really were affected by what. So it's kind of like people were having all these, saying they were having all these headaches and they're blaming it on the sulfites. And, and what really was happening is they were hungover. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, the worst component in, uh, in, in, uh, in wine, the, the biggest health issue is ethanol. Yes, it's, it's the alcohol. alcohol. <laughs> it is the alcohol. So a lot of the big sulfur scourge came from just people who, um, I mean, it happens. You see something on the label that says it's a, you get a warning label on something, and it doesn't matter. You could say... It, you could go out there and say that this product contains dihydrogen monoxide, which is water, and uh, people who don't know what it is are going to be scared of it. You know, it ha- it's, it's just an effect things have. We, you read something and you can't blame somebody for that. It says, oh, this warning, this contains sulfites. I'm like, oh, my God, shit. There's chemicals in this? Oh, man, I don't know about that. So, it, yeah, it started from people just trying to get uh, alcohol outlawed, and then it... Uh, caused a little bit of a um, kind of like a reefer madness situation <laughs> where people thought they, they these soft fights were causing problems but yet they were going on about their lives eating just like things with like thousands of percent more sulfite than what was in the wine that they were worried about so it's really interesting i mean it's in every you get a steak full of sulfite you you eat any kind of canned food um juices that are bottled juices um it, it's a preservative exactly it's a preservative and, uh, and you know what count yourself lucky because it's about the only natural preservative there is <laughs> uh, except maybe salt except for <laughs> well for wine, you can yeah and salt. salt yeah but for wine and speaking of sicily and what i was talking about earlier uh the Sicels were one of the original uh, people to use sulfites to uh, protect their wine. That's the interesting thing. Um, yeah, the there's the debate in the natural wine movement is less about the health issues of sulfites. Uh, they are more like the the raw milk cheese in, enthusiasts in France who are against pasteurization of cheese. They just want to preserve the microbiological processes in the wine. So they don't want to stun the microbes with uh, sulfites and just uh, have a, a dead, frozen wine. Right. Uh, they want to have a living wine um, with the potential to go uh, south. Yes. The, now, I don't want to offend anybody because there, are, there really are two different movements with the uh, with the uh, no sulfite there are the people that have this a bit misled yet logical belief that there's a health issue and then like you said we have those that actually want this natural process and i mean that's kind of cool because you get some really interesting funky flavors sometimes you know and it's 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 uh, like with the raw milk cheese mm-hmm it, yeah, it has all kinds of molds on it and is wild and alive. But not everybody likes it. Right. If you're really into it, you love it, you you 
you don't want to eat any processed cheese anymore. And that's the same with the wine. Um, I tasted a ton of natural wine with like really low sulfite intervention or even no sulfites added. And I can taste this, the sulfur now in, in, in like a conventional wine. It, it's there as a flavor component. And uh, a lot of people also say like they, they, a lot of the high quality estates in Germany with their Rieslings, they do a lot of good work in their vineyards and then they just slap a ton of sulfites on it and destroy everything they did in the vineyard or just yeah it's 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 a you stop time in the wine basically you stun the microbes you kill them uh and there's not much happening anymore to the wine Except which for can which also can help the wine to age and do other yeah, so you're basically doing there's two different things you can leave the wine alone and get this very different um natural wine that has its its own set of uh, flavors and appeal and then you can use the sulfur and get these very long aged wine that have a completely different uh, appeal to them as well i mean the sulfur additions this is not new <laughs> this isn't something that people have only been doing this has been going on for thousands of years it kind of took over the wine world in the uh, 1700s, like big time. There are regions who didn't really jump on the bandwagon, like Jura. They were like, if we work properly, if we have clean grapes, if we have uh, a lot of on the lees aging in big oak barrels with micro oxidation, they, they just developed different methods of preser preserving wine. And uh, their cool climate helped them with doing it over the time frame. But yeah, on the lees, high acidity. There, there are other uh, methods to make ageable, great ageable wines. Like, I, I don't know if you remember at the Natural Wine Fair in Cologne last year, there was this Mosel estate. They had really, really sour, almost undrinkable young wines there. Yes. <laughs> like a young, uh, long-haired guy was pouring them. There was a lot of nearly undrinkable wines. <laughs> yeah. And now I was in, in Japan and had a 2012 bottle of that estate, the same uh, series of Riesling. Mm -hmm. It was fabulous. It was like one of the best Mosul Rieslings I ever had. Completely different. And, and that on the lees, aging gave it like such a wonderful texture and it was aged Mosul but completely different aged Mosul <clears throat> without this so it's it's just a stylistical thing so here's something I, I think I want to do when I get back and it's going to be pretty easy since you own a natural wine bar because <laughs> <laughs> I'm a skeptic in my mind there's such just an absolute tiny minute amount of it in the wine that I really do not think it would impart any flavor. So a completely anecdotal experiment, unscientific, <laughs> I'm going to drink a shitload of natural wine when I get back. 
and then and ab- abstain from the uh, the traditional stuff for a little while. And I want to go back and see if I can actually taste the sulfur. If you take like a highly, highly uh, sulfurized Mosul bottle, mm-hmm. like JJ Prim, yeah, it would jump in your face. It actually smells like sulfur. I don't know, man. <laughs> JJ Prim smelling like a rotten egg. <laughs> I don't know if I've... We'll, well see. That, that kind of sulfur is more like uh, when you burn up firecrackers and get a lot of that gunpowder smoke in your nose. Right, right, that, right. And that mm. like sour, sour sulf- sulfuric acid uh, mm. component. You, you get that a lot in wine if, if it's highly if it has a ton of sulfites on it it's my problem man I'm a, I'm a combat veteran give <laughs> 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 me give me that gunpowder <laughs> yeah. you, you know that smell <laughs> oh definitely <laughs> So uh, yeah, I'll, I'll do the experiment. I'll see. I'll give it a, f- a few months of just the natural stuff, and then I'll switch back over. And but man, I'm, I'm, I'm telling you, I don't want to argue. I don't want to argue it because you know I'm. I'm, I'm I, I I think everybody. I mean, everything deserves every good theory. Every good hypothesis deserves a chance. Yeah, let's let's do the sulfide experiment. Like <laughs> let's do just a, a month, mm-hmm. no added sulfide wine. Or like okay. low low sulfide in- intervention below like uh, like the the fifty parts per million we did. Let's go below. Well, well, yeah, the one that we did on that wine we made was just th- most are around thirty. So let's go. Let's go below ten. Yeah, let's do. Actually, ten is probably even hard, even for a natural wine. <laughs> uh, uh, the, the definition is forty uh, grams. The, the, the 40 French grams association 40 grams of uh, free sulfides in the wine I think per how so much that's a per liter 40 grams per liter no, 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 or parts no, per million milligrams oh so we'll get oh, even 40 milligrams is a lot per liter Huh. You know what? We need let's let's first off let's figure out how much sulfite is in let's let's try to make this as scientific as possible. Yeah, let let's get the numbers. Yeah. And then compare them. Let's because honestly, them. if you so have something if I go buy a bottle of I'm just throwing these out a, a, a Robert Mondavi that has, you know, let's say just ballparking here. 30 parts per million and I go grab a a a, a, a Benzinger that's you know 9 parts per million honestly that's <laughs> we're talking you know we're talking 21 parts per million difference that is yeah. um, like I, 2 grains of sand I'll get you the data uh, I, I have the natural wine book so I give you the data on the natural wines. Okay, because that's just such a that's such a tiny difference. You know, I mean, that's like we're talking a couple of grains of sand per <laughs> bottle. <laughs> like, 
let let me check that. I I, I think I have some stuff available right here. Mm -hmm. Yeah, here it is. So this is the allowed milligram per liter of sulfites. Conventional wine in Europe uh, is for whites is 150, for reds is 200 milligrams per liter. Milligrams, not parts per million? Because I've only heard this is done in parts per million. Yeah, that's, that's the American way. Uh, Europe does it in milligrams per liter. So, okay, like so... Acidic grams per liter. They do everything in milligrams or grams per liter for the wine. Okay. So, uh, organic is 100 for whites and 150 for reds. Uh, then we have the, the Demeter, the, the biodynamic standard. Mm -hmm. That's 70 to 90. And then we have the AVN, this is the, the French Natural Wine Association. Uh, that's uh, 30 to 40. Mm -hmm. And then uh, there is the SANS, the, the, the French, the, yeah, no. how do you call it? <laughs> no Sans. added sulfide association. Yeah. So you, you're only allowed to have like traces of sulfide, like from fermentation. Okay, so we need to see what's, because even if we're talking about like the, even 100 milligrams is so tiny. <laughs> Yeah, but the difference between 100 and 30 and 40, and we, we can go up to 200. Yeah, in, in the in reds. A, a wine. Yeah. That's, yeah, that's it's, it's still, it's like uh, six times as much. Six times as much, but I mean, it's like, it's like, you know, an ant can lift 20 times its body weight. Yeah, but an ant doesn't weigh anything, you know? <laughs> so it's, yeah. <laughs> uh, Ah, we'll see. We'll do our. We'll, we'll we'll crunch these numbers and do an experiment. This this is what's going to be. This is what's interesting about our show and for you guys because this is one of those things that where me and JP kind of always always go back and forth on. It's a huge debate in the wine world about a tiny thing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's so tiny, and and it's not done about any other food. You never. <laughs> that's why I'm saying it's like I don't know. Because also, what what kind of science is uh, interesting to me is actually how much of the microbial life in the wine is dying mm -hmm. under the different like standards. I would I want to see an experiment like that, like looking at the wine under a microscope and see what's still alive in the wine. Uh, but it's not only the sulfides; it's also microfiltration and stuff that uh, makes the wine like stable but dead, basically. Mm -hmm. uh, so we organically did not the, uh, uh, yeah. yeah the wine is still doing a lot of things wine. now now the wine isn't just Flavor. stopped yeah. we don't want to say that a wine with sulfur is still doing a lot of things yeah. um, it's, it's it, not dead and yeah it's microbially dead yes or almost dead it still yes. has flavor right still has flavor and it's still over time it's still evolving and being that's what i'm saying there's two different things going on you're not going to you're not going to find a completely zero sulfide added pinot noir that's held up for 50 years you might but, but you'd be really lucky <laughs> yeah. that, that's that's this, uh you you will find a, a ton of jura wines like really old ones uh they they have no added sulfites 
Well, they're oxidized anyway. So. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not talking about Van Jones. Oh, okay. Jones, uh, they are indestructible. They, they are oxidized. Mm. And they have a ton of them. Yeah. Yeah, I, I had one from the late 1800s. And it was fresh as from maybe the 1980s. That's pretty awesome. <laughs> yeah. Like Jura wine, uh, but also they're even the reds from Jura. They can mm -hmm. hold up a long time without added sulfites. So, so I'm I'm looking forward to it. And uh, have, having had that Riesling, 2012, I'm actually confident to tell you uh, you don't need to add sulfites to make a stable wine if you if you if you do the right thing. <clears throat> it's just a different style. Well, Rieslings, you also have just an absolute boatload of acid on those things as well. So, I mean, the acid itself is an antimicrobial. Yeah. That's so, why yeah, the, the wine barrels are not full of mold and, yeah, or just the mold you want. <laughs> right. So the, uh, the great acid debate goes yeah. on. Acid, sulfur. Yeah, but yeah, we we we'll do an experiment as soon as you're back. We we we'll go on natural wine, like lowest sulfite we can get for like two weeks or a month, and then we'll have like a JJ Prim. Yeah, and I'm I'm not saying you know if people if, if you like this stuff. To me, I mean, I'll I've had a lot of really good natural wine. I've had a lot of really good biodynamic wine. I've also had a lot of really bad stuff. I've had a lot of stuff people were raving about that just made my mouth feel like I was ruined for the rest of the day. Right. <laughs> and uh, the acetaldehyde when they have it. Oh yeah. It's horrible uh, for me. And just my point is, you know, they've been doing uh, sulfites for since ancient Rome, and uh, I mean, there's a reason. There's a reason people like it. I mean, it's <laughs> the sulfites are everywhere. I mean, if you if you go out on 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 a day with a big fireworks or something, you get more sulfites than with. Oh, uh, just yeah, just breathing the. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but anyways, my biggest point is this: I have nothing against natural wine. If you like it, drink it. I, I mean, I like a lot of it. Tons of there's tons of it I like. I'm not just saying that there's just a few that I like. There's a, a ton of it that I like. If you like it, go for it. There's nothing wrong with it. If you like the traditional wines, go for that. There's nothing wrong with them. Base it on what you like. Don't base it on some made-up health concern that came just because some people put some stuff on the label because they wanted to ban alcohol. Yeah. And that's what it is. So people wanted to ban alcohol, and they put a warning label on the bottle, and it started a movement. I'm not talking about the natural wine movement that we're talking about now. I'm talking about a movement for, like, health reasons. Kind of like the gluten thing, which was yeah. good for people who actually had, you know, gluten sensitivity because now there's, like, all kinds of stuff they can <laughs> get now that they couldn't get before. But... Uh, yeah, the, the whole gluten thing a few years ago, where it's like, oh, gluten's bad, gluten's bad. And it was like less than one half of percent of the population or something like that actually had a gluten allergy, you know. <laughs> so <laughs> The whole thing was best for, for the industry making gluten-free products. 
Yeah, yeah, it was really good for people with celiacs, you know, because now they have all these options they didn't have before. But <laughs> but there was a lot of people that were completely against gluten that probably needed some gluten in their life. Anyway, long story short, I would say, uh, I think it's also kind of the message in the song movie. It's trust your taste. Yeah. Don't let other people decide for you what's good for you, what's bad for you. Just make your own experiences, try stuff, and then drink what you like. Absolutely. It's, uh, there's nothing wrong with it. I mean, a good example, we like Lambics from Brussels. Yeah. Uh, we go to Cantillon when we can and drink the most <laughs> sour... Yeah, they- Wine that I my mean, wife says tastes like it's gone bad, and <laughs> that's the closest equivalent to natural wine in the beer world. I would say. Yeah, and there's just nothing but bacteria in that, and uh, and all these different things uh, that just gives it all these really interesting flavors that don't taste like any other beer. <laughs> and so, trust it, me, it I'm, I'm not against. We're just talking about wine, the lambic. They 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 found a way to preserve alcohol through acid and uh, hops and oak barrels. Right. So well, their beers age whatever. Well, hops is actually uh, they usually that that's uh, a, a very good uh, antibacterial <laughs> to be honest. <laughs> yeah. Before I think it was. Uh, before hops was introduced into beer, you couldn't even transport it two villages away without yeah. going bad. You know, it's it, yeah, hops make is, it really really sour anyway mm-hmm. back in the day because you didn't have refrigeration and you so didn't and also yeast wasn't isolated yet either. <laughs> so yeah, hops was a, a good uh, preservative natural plant preservative mm-hmm. so we don't need the sulfites there are other ways to make it but the sulfites are a classic way to make wine and why should we just like deny everything we did And uh, I, I think just enjoy all the different styles I still enjoy a good lager beer although I would prefer a lambic oh yeah you know exactly like I we were we were talking before about uh, Iman making this uh, Solera style all natural orange Gewürztraminer, and I love it. Like I could just, if you said, "Well, this is the only wine you can have the rest of your life," I'd be like, "Okay, that's cool." Yeah, <laughs> I love it. It's good stuff. And uh, so yeah, it's just uh, I don't want people to think that uh, sulfites are some new, new, uh, recent chemical preservative because that's kind of how a lot of the anti-sulfite not the natural winemaking anti-sulfite like the 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 uh the The health health the health nuts who think who who say this stuff uh it's not it's been in wine since wine has existed Um, long story short for this one i think there is a ton of stuff in wine uh, Worse for you than so. Uh, I'm not talking about the alcohol. That's bad for you anyway. Mm-hmm. But um, it's also fun, though. <laughs> oh, absolutely. 
Yeah. But uh, I'm talking about really industrial chemicals allowed to be in wine that don't have to be on the label. Exactly. Don't make a fuss about sulfites. Just buy your wines from winemakers you're trusting. Don't buy industrial wine from the supermarket shelf if you can avoid it. Buy craft. I, I think that's the message. If they use sulfites or not, buy from people who do real craft. Who work their vineyards well, who work well in the cellar, and don't use uh, all that garbage. And you're supporting a farmer more than you're supporting a factory. Exactly. That that's the the biggest thing about it. I mean, our our farmers, which you know, a winemaker, a vintner, or in Germany, a vin, uh, was it Vinzer? Yeah. They are they're farmers. I mean, that's they they have their own words for it: viticulture instead of agriculture, and vintner <laughs> instead of. Or, but uh, but they they're farmers, and farmers. Uh, work really hard and they uh, they deserve their due so if you can buy from if you can buy your wine locally shoot heck forget some of these big brand names you we have found some of the tiniest mom and pop outfits that make just insanely good wine yeah like rostler schneider is a good example of that yeah definitely and they use sulfites yeah but they they don't use much of that other stuff. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's the, uh, you know, if those uh, fundamentalists really wanted to make an impact, maybe they should have said, but there's Roundup in this wine. <laughs> issues in, in wine than sulfites. That's yeah, absolutely. What it's, you can take. The sulfur is the least of your worries. Yeah, the the wor worst issues are way way under the rug. They they are like <laughs> yeah, absolutely. They they don't even become public because they're scary. Yeah, yeah, they don't exactly. So uh, it's not the sulfur you should worry about. So uh, yeah, like we said, go for the uh, go for the craft winemakers. There, it's really good, and it's going to be a lot better and better for you. Which I mean, everybody likes to talk about the benefits of wine. Like you see all these articles pop up all the time about certain health benefits, but uh, it's not really good for you. It's it's not healthy. It's something you can enjoy, and in moderation, it can contribute to a good life. But it's not a healthy product. No, it should be done in moderation, just like anything else. It's not, but uh, so we're not going to try to jerk you around and make it like it's some something that's good for you. It's not alcohol is not good for you, but it's okay, fine. I think <laughs> Don't mean to end on a downer. Discussion in the wine world, so we wanted to cover that whole sulfite issue a little bit and other things about wine. So I think we wrap it up here. Yes, Saturday the 15th in Landau Falls, Germany, 7 p.m. Somme is coming to the wine growing regions of Europe. So if you have the time, if you have the opportunity, join us. We'll, you, you'll have a blast, I promise. Absolutely. 
get out there, get on uh, Eventbrite, get your tickets, and uh, hopefully you'll be there to drink some of that really awesome wine and uh, watch a really awesome film. So I guess that's all we got for you today. Uh, You got anything else, JP? No, I think that's it. All right, everybody. Until next time. Oh, you know what? We should advertise a little bit. Get up, check us out on Facebook, Pulled Corks. Twitter, Pulled Corks. Instagram, Pulled Corks. Also, JP Pulled Corks. And our awesome website, pulled-corks.com. And that website... And if you want to buy tickets, you can also go to somfilms.com. Somfilms.com, that's right. And I will put in the description of this video, I will have the, uh, another link or at least the URL to our uh, Eventbrite. And uh, we will build a landing page on our website soon as well. It's almost done. All right, cool. All right, everybody. So go watch the movie. We hope you learned something. We hope you can make more comfortable choices. And uh, love you guys. And cheers. Cheers. Don't have a glass. (laughs) You have one. (laughs) Got it.